this morning. Uh, welcome to our family gathering as a church. Uh, we call it that because we're the family of God and uh, through the work of Jesus on our behalf, so we get to gather in his name and love one another, be built up in him, be sent out by the power of his spirit to hopefully make disciples in all of life. And so that's what we're here for this morning. Um, we're, we've been going through a series that we've called um, Cultivate Life, if you've been around for the last 10 weeks. And we've been uh, in that series kind of going through who we are as a church family, what we believe God has called us to do and to be about uh, in South Jersey as we look to multiply communities that are rooted in the gospel, that produce fruit for the good of the Garden State. And uh, so we've been talking through our identities uh, as a church family, through some habits that we'd like to build into our family together so that we live out of those habits. And, uh, and this morning, we're going to be talking about kind of the work of God in brothers and sisters, not just as part of our church family, but throughout the area, really. So uh, through Philadelphia, here, uh, kind of close to us in South Jersey, and even down uh, more clo- cl- closer to the shore. Um, so we're going to be talking with these guys. These are my friends and brothers um, in Christ and, and just... Uh, dear partners in the gospel, people that have encouraged me uh, along the way, and hopefully I've been able to encourage as well. But I really wanted you to get to know them uh, and to hear some of the work that God's doing in in their hearts and in their lives. Before I introduce each of them, though, I just want to, it's kind of a a piece of family business I just have to make sure that we cover first. Um, And that is, we're, right now, we're kind of in the process of, of, figuring out what 2018 looks like for us as a family. And uh, it, when we began the church almost seven years ago, coming this January, we, um, we, we started that process out by actually doing a, kind of a family pledge together to see what is it that we have to work with as a family budget. Because we had never planted a church before. We had no idea what that looked like and how to even begin gauging kind of how how generous can we be as a family and how do we pay for the bills and, and all these different things. And so we had all the households that were part of our plant at that point um, just make a family pledge so that we could begin to tally in our minds, okay, what do we have to work with for the next year? And uh, we sat down together uh, last week, the elders with the finance team, to talk about uh, next year and setting out a budget for next year. And we realize it's been seven years since we've done that. <laughs> so uh, so we've, we've based every year kind of off of that first go around. <laughs> and, uh, and God's been really, really faithful uh, through the process of those seven years to provide for all of our needs and even more so. Um, but we realize that we've come to a point in time as a family where we kind of have to re- recalibrate and take stock again. Uh, just to see where are we and, and, and what can we do. I just want to mention this, like for 2018, um, we really sense God calling us to continue to be faithful in many ways. And um, as, a, as a church family, you may not know this, but we actually give away 15% of what comes in uh, to our church towards uh, things that don't come back and bless us, whether that's our community garden or a food pantry or the work that we do in Haiti or in sponsoring and helping along church planters, either across the country through a cooperative giving program or locally um, with people that are right in our backyard. 
And we, we feel like God's calling us not just to continue in the generosity that we've had, but to each year we've tried to push the envelope of that. And so when we started, we started at 10%, and every year we've increased that a little bit along the way. And we'd like to continue to do that. But in order for us to know how generous we can be as a church family, we need to know how generous is the Spirit calling each household to be um, so that we can begin to do the work of laying the groundwork. And we really feel like God's got a, a lot for us next year. We, we're we're going to be announcing a few things that are, are pretty crazy, including um, try, we have a plan in place where we're going to be debt-free next year as, as a church family. And we, we want to be faithful to just to see, like, okay, now that we're at this point, like, what is God calling us to do? And I really think that he's calling us to incredible things together. Uh, but we have to know where, we, where, where our starting line is before we can get there. So there are cards that are in all the seat backs uh, this morning that are kind of a, just a, a family pledge, if you will, as you're considering what it is that God's calling you to for next year. Also, if you, if you prefer the electronic thing, uh, you can download or, or you can go to a, an online survey and that link is on the city. So you could go there uh, even this morning. And here's what we're challenging you to is don't just consider like, okay, well, here's what I gave last year or here's what I think I'm, I'm able to give uh, when it comes to this coming year. I'd really like all of us to actually pause and stop and, and consider what it is that the Spirit wants us to do. Because I, I think he's... He's, he's in charge of this whole thing. We're not. Jesus is the, the leader of this church. We're not. And so we're, we're following in his footsteps, which means that if he put the same spirit in each of us that uh, empowered him for life and ministry, that he has a good plan for us and he knows exactly what it is that we should all be giving to that greater work as a family. And so we're not putting any parameters on that. We're simply asking you to take some time to consider what it is that he wants you to do. And we're going to take two weeks to do that, so we'll announce it again uh, next Sunday, but we'd like to get kind of all these things back by the following Sunday, which is December 3rd, so that we can start to lay out the plan for 2018. Does that make sense? All right, if you have any questions about that, come and talk to me afterwards. So that's kind of our family business. All right, so today, uh, speaking of being partners in the gospel, um, just... We're inviting three guys who are in our region, who are friends, partners, just uh, fellow um, gospel-centered, Jesus-loving, on-mission people uh, who in many ways are doing the same, the same work that you guys are doing uh, through your Cultivate Communities. So as you uh, make disciples of people in your neighborhoods and your workplaces or um, the, the networks of friends or wherever God is calling you to, to be on his mission, these guys are doing much of the same work in the places that they live. And so I know for me, when I think of, um, kind of being a disciple, making disciples, that is challenging work, right? It's hard work. Um, it's, it's labor-intensive, it's time-intensive, it's people-focused, and those things all drain me <laughs> as an individual. And I know for, for me, when I get into the busyness of, of living that kind of lifestyle, it can be easy for me to lose focus of what God's doing in a big-picture way. And so I've had the opportunity, because of where I happen to sit in, in 
in our denomination and, and in the region just to have a vantage point of all these things. So when I get discouraged, I can call up my friend Buff or my friend Gina or my friend Steve and say, hey, what's God doing in your community? And be instantly encouraged that Jesus is at work. And so I thought, man, like I get that vantage point a lot. But the, the, our folks who are living the same kind of lifestyle don't often have that vantage point. So I thought, man, if we took a Sunday just to pull back a little bit and go, here's what Jesus is doing all across, like all over this place. He's saturating all these different communities with himself. Um, how encouraging would that be to everybody? So that's kind of the point of this morning. So we're just going to like round table this and uh, I'll throw out a few questions. You guys feel free to, you know, not answer those questions and answer the questions that you feel like God's leading you to answer. <laughs> Because I know each of you are really good at that. So anyway, this is my friend Steve Marfia. He uh, leads a community called Legacy 242, which is in Deptford, New Jersey, uh, not far away. How long did it take you to get here this morning? Gosh, 18 minutes, I think. Yeah, not far, right? Yeah, 18. Um, you guys probably know Gino Kirkarudo. His family is here also. They take up the better part of a row. Over there, um, and Gino is leading a community called the Table Philadelphia, uh, which oddly enough is in Philadelphia. Very good. <laughs> um, and my friend Buff, uh, Chris, Chris Buff, <laughs> McNick, <laughs> two names, um, who is a born and bred South Jersey native. Right? Right. I actually I thought about having a round table up here, but I, I it, it didn't make its way up. So <laughs> um, bus leading a community called Grace Falls, which is in Obsecan, Atlantic County, just outside of Atlantic City. So um, just if you guys could just take a, a couple minutes and talk about you know, a little bit about who you are, where you came from, why it is like, how did you get to, to where you are now in terms of helping to plant a church here in this area of the world? Yeah. The short answer is pray at dangerous prayers. Uh, but to kind of explain that is I, I'm from a, L.A. originally, which is Lower Alabama. Via uh, Tampa, Florida, I married a, uh, a young lady from St. Pete, but I served at a church um, in uh, Florida and uh, was on staff uh, um, what you would term a vacant church. And uh, just being faithful to what God called me to and uh, just started, me and my wife just started praying prayers and, and the simple prayer uh, that God uh, led us to pray was, Lord, help us to become comfortable with uncomfortable. And uh, that is a very uh, a dangerous prayer. So for us, that just led us down a, a lot of different things. First, originally in Tampa, but then um, God called us to uh, uproot all that we had known um, and leave and to come and to partner here. Um, and, I, and I felt like it, it, when we came up here uh, to, to, to lead a church plant, 
Um, we were open to say, God, wherever you want us to go, the yes was on the table. So uh, through that series of uh, events that led us to meet some people, that eventually we landed um, on the shore, and uh, we call it a beach in uh, Alabama, but it's called the shore here. And, uh, and so we uh, just began to uh, come here with an open heart, open hand, and uh, got to meet Jay. And uh, I'll be honest, a southern boy moving to uh, the shore of uh, New Jersey, God has taught me a tremendous amount. And uh, it, it's been a it's been a fun ride to, to come here to to really learn. But I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But, yeah. How long have you been here in the area now? It's four years now that we've uh, been here. Um, my wife, Sissy, is uh, back at our gathering, and we've been blessed with three children. We had just uh, adopted our little girl when we moved here. We actually had to fly back and finalize that. But I have three uh, children. I have twin seven-year-olds. Uh, I call them my personal weight loss program. I try to keep, keep track of them. And then uh, my little girl is uh, four years old. Thanks. Uh, I also am from L.A., but not lower Alabama. Los Angeles. <laughs> I from Los Angeles. Uh, met my wife in Northern California, and we decided to be reverse pioneers and move across the country. Um, not with any intention to plant a church. I don't even know if we were following Jesus at that time. But um, God, uh, in spite of our resistance, saved us and gave us beautiful children that are sitting right there in the third row. we got four of them. And um, we we started having this desire to be in Philadelphia, to be back in a city, and and realize that you know, we're living this life of trying to get ahead financially and raise our family, that really the best idea would be once we raise all of our kids, then we can retire and move into the city. And maybe we'll just like disciple people then when, when we're old, living in a, like a condo or something, you know? And uh, so we were like content with that idea and then started actually praying, you know, what does God want to do with us now? In the meantime, while we're waiting for that, you know, dream of living in a city, he's like, I actually want you to go now when it's not convenient, when it doesn't make sense. Um, And what he did was give us a heart for not just the city and the lifestyle of the city, but the people of the city. Um, Folks know a lot about the Eagles fans and we get, we're the battery throwers and all of that stuff. They know about us all. Santa haters. Yeah, the Santa haters, battery throwers. I grew up watching the Raiders, so like the Eagles fans are tame, honestly. Uh, we can up in that. We can really up our game. Um, but what I, what I found about people in Philadelphia, having that perspective, which most of the country seems to think about us, is that there's a lot of guys with rough exteriors and really soft that have grown up with the ethic of, I work, therefore I am. I provide for my family, therefore I'm a good father. But have never met their father in heaven and don't understand that relationship. And I thought, well, that, those are the people that God sent us to. And those are the people that we're meeting and interacting with. And I think that's why we're there. Hmm. Well, we've been there now back our second round for about two years now. Yeah. I knew that was a question. That's cool. Yeah. You hit it. No, okay. <laughs> hey, Cultivate. Uh, I'm Steve Marfia. I'm from Northern California, actually, so we both come from the West Coast. 
And uh, my story is uh, one of one that didn't grow up in a Christian home or have any experience or exposure to God. Um, but that dramatically changed as I was one who uh, dropped out of high school, went the path of wild living, uh, drug abuse, destructive living, and, and depression. And inevitably found myself in my early 20s joining the Marine Corps in an attempt to kind of clean things up in my life. Um, but what I found out in, in those first couple years in the Corps was that what was broken was what was deep inside of me. And I couldn't fix that, and neither could the Marine Corps. And so inevitably that brokenness led them to say, well, you got to go because you can't stay sober and not act like a fool, so leave. And at that point, I had met um, a young lady from South Jersey. And so... I moved out to South Jersey having made a wreck of every relationship and every opportunity in all of my life. And I came here in 2007. And uh, God's grace is just amazing to have worked in my life and guide me through my resistance and led us to a church um, at 23. I'm the father and now engaged to this young lady in Jersey. I'm 3,000 miles away from home. I have no idea how I've gotten to where I'm at. Um, But the next few years come as I... Um, explore what God has for me in life and come to find out that it's not restaurant management as I've seemed to have made a career for myself, but instead a calling to ministry. And in the middle of that, um, we moved back to California and began to study the Bible and theology, got connected with the church out there. And there was always just this stirring in my heart to come back to South Jersey and start a church. And it's funny because the first three years I was here, I honestly, I did not like being here. And that was me holding back the stronger words I wanted to use that may not be appropriate for this context. I'm sure nobody just, nobody here could relate to that no, experience no, at all. Of course not. <laughs> but what I what I came to found out was, uh, you know, Gino made an interesting point a moment ago when he mentioned you did the kind of reverse uh, thing when you moved back this way. A, a lot of folks pioneered and moved out to the West Coast. And so there's this kind of wild, outgoing, entrepreneurial attitude that exists out there that's very different from what's here. And that was one of the things that I struggled with. Tradition and value at home and like staying in the same house for 40 years is incredibly valued around here. And I didn't at first realize just how beautiful and good that was and how much there's a reflection of God's character in that. So as he was changing my life, he was starting to open my eyes up and my heart up for a love for the people in this area and this area itself. And I I began to say, this is home. This is family. This is where I belong. And in the midst of that, um, God started to lay out a vision to to start up a church in the area that was focused on Jesus, but kind of stripped the religion that tends to hold us back from living in the fullness of the gospel that that we've been provided with. Mm -hmm. Cool. So as you guys have been on the ground now for some time and, and um, following Jesus in these ways and learning along the way and seeing him kind of at work, what, what are some of the maybe cool or surprising ways that you've seen God um, at work in your context and your community as you've been in neighborhoods, um, you know, showing people what it looks like to live a life empowered by the gospel and... and um, and teaching them what it means to submit all of life to Jesus. Um, For me, one of the the big shocks or surprises, I would say, um, one of the exciting things that I've seen Jesus do in our neighborhood, uh, when we moved into Deptford two years ago, we thought, well, if we're going to reach Deptford or South Jersey in any capacity, that has to start with our own neighborhood, our neighbors. And so let's seek to love them first. 
and uh, God just opened a lot of really cool doors for us to build relationships with folks right in, on our own block. And those relationships have developed to the point where um, we have a few folks who have made professions of faith in Christ and are starting to be discipled and follow Him, but a number of friends who are just resistant to the gospel to this point and yet have simultaneously opened their lives up to my wife and I and our family in a way that is almost shocking and unheard of, and it seems like it can only be God. Mm. I mean, I have keys to neighbors' homes that uh, that I shouldn't have and access to their lives that I don't belong having. I mean, do they really... How did you... I told them the life I came from, the things I used to do, and yet they, they have this trust for me. It's like... You didn't, you didn't tell us how you got those keys. Though. Yeah. <laughs> they actually gave them to me. Oh, okay. The part I'm trying to say is surprising. <laughs> So, you know, even just last night I was at a birthday party um, with some friends that are uh, that have a crossover in our neighborhood and in our church community. And so, you know, there's some unbelieving friends there and some folks who are part of our church community. And we got into the, the God conversation around the table. And one of my buddies uh, sitting next to me, Corey, just I could immediately feel the tension start to rise in his heart. And he and I have been there very personally together. And I know where there is hurts in his life and resistance to God and you know he kind of looks up at the universe and says well there has to be so many truths because the thing, the thing is so profound and wild um, and, and that's the place where he seems to be stuck and and you know it's, it's amazing that where he will shut down publicly in an environment that opens up and, and no one even said anything that was in any way offensive or or inconsiderate to him but he'll shut down in that environment later last night he and I, he and I were able to have a conversation one on one where he's opening up his heart and life in ways that I don't even understand what's happening right now. And so it's in little ways that God has allowed relationships to be built and people to open their lives to me and me to them that I've seen the Spirit move. And, and, and that's the place where I just feel like we as a church community, and, and I know this is a common thing for us, feel called to pursue people far from God by loving them first mm-hmm. and demonstrating the good news that we're also attempting to, to speak into their lives to declare and, and share with them yeah you know so it's in the small ways that people are opening their lives that i've most seen jesus at work mm-hmm. and it, it's it's been amazing it, it's been really cool yeah. yeah that's cool i mean it's 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 funny isn't it how like it's those everyday little ways that when you make those habits a pattern of life a rhythm of life where you're just getting to know people hearing their story listening to the spirit figuring out ways to follow up that you know relationship with ways to bless them and those things just open doors and some sometimes it's the people that you least expect that are the ones that press most into that relationship and you're like really god like that guy (laughs) you know for us like the first when we were learning all this ourselves like it was um the you know the guy that just got out of prison who was in there because he had murdered somebody um and he introduced himself by saying yeah i need to tell you about this and he had the tattoo under his eye. And, and so, like, he needed to justify his own heart. And we just loved him as he was for who he was. And that just, you know, formed a relationship in a way that I never expected, you know. So you probably find the same thing. It's like, it's, it's the people that you're going, never that guy. And then he's the one that always shows up at your door and, and you get to build these great relationships with him. And for some reason, it's the never that guy that the spirit tends to be leading us towards, isn't it? Yeah. At least in my life. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to probably answer my own question because I don't remember what the other question, the real question was. Where, where do you see God working in, yeah. in your life and in your context? Yeah. 
Um, man, so many places, but I think if I were to say, try to sum it up, it's the amazing favor that we have with people that you wouldn't expect us to have favor with. I mean, Steve and, and UJ just kind of said it. That's exactly our experience. It's not that we're surprised, but we're like, it just causes worship because you think like, these are the people we have a heart for and I have no idea how to engage with them. So God lead the way, um, which is amazing. Um, I've told the story here not long ago, but I'll tell it again um, because it's it's amazing what God's done. We, we've in the two years we've lived in three homes because we rented, and it's a crazy market. And we've had we weren't able to you know, stay in these different homes. We, by God's grace, we're able to buy the house that we're in now, so we'll be there for a while. Um, but the home that we were living in before that we wanted to buy, um, three no, two weeks after we moved in, there was a shooting, and a guy was murdered right on our doorstep. And from that, just thinking like, well, we don't know what to do. How do you enter into this? And we called the police. Jill knew to do that. You know, that was that's good. <laughs> it's a good thing she yeah. was around that day. Right? <laughs> and, uh, well, we don't know what to do with that. And a couple of days later, I mean, we spent some time out on the front wall. They had our street taped off, talking to some of our neighbors who had moved into the neighborhood. And most of their um, posture, their words would speak this. Don't worry, it'll get better as soon as these people leave. And that just breaks your heart because you're like, what do you mean? These image bearers that like, have been here for decades that we want to push them out? We're like, oh, we, we walked into a mess. You know, how do we how do we love the people that want to force people out while loving the people that actually live there too to show them Jesus? And uh, and I don't know how to do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't know without being like some awkward person walking into it. Um, a couple nights later, they have a, like a, a vigil for the, the man who was killed right where it happened. And I was taking out the garbage and stumbled into it. Again, like, this is not any talent or, like, planning on my part. <laughs> the garbage needs to go out front so our house doesn't smell good. I'll take it there. And God's like, why don't you go over there? So we did. Jill and I walked over. We definitely look different than everyone. And, we, you know, we're, we're, we're standing out by being there, but we're going to stand with the people in our neighborhood. That's, that's what God's called us to do. And from that, a relationship developed with a guy who I didn't know at the time, but he's a community leader, an activist, um, involved with a nonprofit that helps to work against gun violence and um, joblessness and all of these different things. And we just went out to lunch. I just asked him if I could take him out to lunch and learn from him. And he asked me um, why I would move to that neighborhood. And he didn't ask it in an angry way, but he definitely asked it like checking me out. Because are you going to be here to try to drive people out, or are you here for something else? And I said, I'm, I'm here because we were called to live among people and invite them to a common table where we can get to know each other as image bearers rather than enemies. And he said, now that's what's up. So now we've been really good friends since then. <laughs> And we're able to work together to feed people in the neighborhood last Thanksgiving, and then it just happened again this year. And what, what I mean by all of this is that simply by showing up, God has opened doors. And then I've met people through that, and I'm currently discipling people that if you just looked at me, you would go, How, why are they hanging out with you? And I have no idea except for Jesus. Why are people saying that we are a loving family that is an asset to the block when we've lived there for a month. Why do people say that? I have no idea except for Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, the other area that I'm really seeing a lot of, of God's work that I think is important to point out, and I know that these guys would do that too, is just in my own family. 
Um, this is a it's, a, it's a rough road to go into, like pastoring, church planting. We've had some pretty difficult things happen in the last like couple weeks and month with our team. Um, and we can talk about that more. I have nothing to hide. Um, God's in control, so we'll walk through it. But in spite of that, when it looks like, hey, maybe we're failing at this, we see God like growing our kids and like giving them a, a bird's eye view of what happens when people walk away from God mm-hmm. and say, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that we don't have to shelter them or protect, try to protect them from that or manage it and just say, it's messy, it's ugly, and God's in it, and let's just go forward and, and follow what he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. So currently we have like a ton of favor with people who aren't following Jesus and not a lot of Jesus-loving people running with us. And we're okay with that. Because uh, I've read the scriptures, you have too, I hope, and seen that there's a lot of times when things look like failures, and that's actually when God's preparing something, and, and we're optimistic about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Like, oftentimes we think of <clears throat> the ways to raise our kids to know and love Jesus in all of life is to protect them from, you know, being exposed to all those messy, hard, difficult truths and conversations and relationships and because it doesn't all fit neatly into boxes and sometimes we don't know how to explain it to them because we want it to fit in those boxes for them so that they can logically think through it and um, I, I've found that same thing too is just how faithful God is to like teach them through the messiness and when they have questions like sometimes they come with profound questions yeah. <laughs> where, where you're like I have that same question and I don't know the answer to that but what I'm told, <laughs> as we read together, is that God has a plan in it, and we may not know what the purpose is currently, but that leads that should lead us to trust rather than just to rationalize or figure out the answer in our own minds. You know, and just leading our kids to like a, just a bigger, greater understanding of God and the fact that He gets to do that and be that, and we don't have to do that and be that for them. Sometimes that's a really hard lesson. I know I've. Learned that and relearning that many times over the last seven years. Yes, <laughs> How about you? I think the uh, probably the, the the greatest thing that God has taught us in this whole journey is the just the understanding of really what it means about uh, that God is faithful uh, to finish that work that He's started in us. I think sometimes in our own journeys, and I'm speaking for myself, is that you can some you can start right, but somewhere in the middle, you, you can get uh, off course. And the greatest thing that God has uh, used in us coming to a place where we left uh, all that we knew and all that we were comfortable with, He brings us to a place where it really you have to ask yourself, who am I? And you, you can find your identity so much in what we do instead of who we are in Christ. And one of the ways that he's taught us that is putting us in a context, in a place where you're having to introduce yourself and to, to make uh, connections and relationships with people. And it's not on the basis of what you do or what you can do for them. It's really who you are. Mm-hmm. And so one of the greatest things that God has taught just... My wife and I is really um, this whole idea of our posture in repentance. Um, I told people one of the, the greatest work that we have done uh, probably in the beginning was just uh, our own personal repentance. 
and how God just revealed to us in so many different circumstances and situations of how we were dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It was more about our ideas, our plans, our wants, our wishes versus God. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Or do you mean in the greatest moments that we've seen God do things is echoing what Steve and Tito said. It wasn't anything that we had. It wasn't a great idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you know our thoughts, our plans. It was just simply um, just walking in everyday life, and God's like. Hey, I'm showing you something, or hey, go here. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's been the most to me. It's been it's almost like I've been reborn in the sense of there's an excitement every day. Like God, what are you going to show me today? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to take me today? Mm-hmm. What, yeah, surprise me. Today? And, and, yeah. Uh, um, one thing, just for instance, my wife Friday night, she started a ministry. It's been very passionate. The seed that was born in her in 2008 when her and I were on a a trip in, uh, in Europe, but this idea of uh, human trafficking and just a heart for women, and, and my wife had started a ministry called Love's Way Out, where faithfully every couple of weeks she goes into the adult entertainment um, you know, uh, clubs and, and just um, seeks to help women see that they are image bearers and, and to both demonstrate the love of Christ by just simply loving people, meeting them where they are. Hmm. Uh, she does it in a variety of ways, and, and God's just done some amazing stuff. But uh, through her obedience, just to really love people and do that, I mean, I mean, she was recounted, and the only reason she was recounted is this girl randomly from Columbia University reached out to her via email hmm. because somehow she got her head, but she's doing a report on feminism, Christianity, and culture, and how they collide, how they complement, and how they. Um, crash or something like that. That's what she was. So she's met her twice, but she took a bus all the way from New York, came down Friday night to go with her and uh, and meet some of the women and the ladies. And this girl's not even a believer. She's she's but she says, I don't know if I'm here because I'm I'm doing my master's work. I'm here to meet you. Wow. And uh, she's just blown away by that. But my wife was recounting her that I mean through. Sissy just responded to something in 2008 and just through a, a lot of series of things. I mean, she's helped start these same ministries in five different states. Hmm. And this girl contacted two people, one in Arkansas and one in Florida. And of all the people that she's a part of this network, the two people she contacted were two people that my wife helped uh, introduce them and start that. But it's just it's been crazy to... Hmm. And my wife is like, how am I going to meet this girl? I mean, it's a guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's not anything that we plan, but, you know, God's taking us on those adventures mm. every single day by just simply, you know, not not my agenda, not my plans, but God, what? Yeah. Where? How? It's interesting that you mentioned that, too, and that's kind of been a common theme with all of you guys, is that when we... When you think about church planners, you think about people that are kind of high-octane, big-picture thinkers, long-term as opposed to short-term, strategic planning. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're trying to forecast three years, five years, ten years down the road, what's everything going to look like? 
And some of the biggest learnings, I, I know this has been true for all of you guys because I know you well enough to know this, but it's been for me too, is, is realizing that the biggest hole in my effectiveness as a planter, as a pastor, was not in my ability to project and strategically plan, but in my ability to listen and do what the Spirit is calling me to do next as a faithful step of his mission. And, and that, like, so that slowing down, you know, posture, that listening, that being in a, a space where you're like, God just surprised me with something today. Let me be open to your work and movement. That's not just something that's for church planters. That's for every person who has the Spirit of God in them to be looking for those opportunities. And I, what I found is the same thing that Buff was finding is that <clears throat> the people that are often called to, that he's working in to call, are the people that are most interested in doing what the gospel fuels you to do. You know, so like in, in Steve's case, it's kind of like to make a neighborhood better, you know, make it a better place to live for all who's involved. For Gino, it's like to bring restoration and reconciliation to a broken part of the city. For Buff and Sissy, it's to bring back this ide- sense of identity and, and, and wholeness and, and value for individuals who are caught up in an industry that strips all of those things away. And in all of those cases, there are people out there that want to join you in the work that don't know why they're doing it yet. You know, They have no idea, but they're just like, I, what Steve's doing is really cool, and I want to join in with that. And then you get to share the reasons why you're motivated to do it and actually what God's doing in their hearts before they even know it. You know, That's my favorite thing to do is teach people why they feel the way that they do because it's actually God in them doing it. You know, um, Such a cool thing to, to get to. to yeah, sure. Like you, you hit a really good point that I think is not only valuable for us, but as you said, it's, it's valuable for all of us. Um, about having plans and expectations. And like the thing that wars against us slowing down is our sense of expectation. Like We think that if we do this, this will happen, and then we'll have this person baptized. You know, and it, mm-hmm. Rather than if we have this posture of resting in our identity, walking out and seeing what God's going to do, and just following him where he's leading, like waiting on the Spirit to move, watching for where he's moving, and then walking in what he's doing, then we, we don't have to have expectations other than like our obedience to faithfully walk out. That, that actually causes you to slow down. You're, you're listening, you're, you're waiting, you're actually interacting with people, and they, they less become part of your, your project and your plan and just what God's doing. So I think it's, it's actually helpful to have a plan, but what's your, what are your expectations? So the plan, is the plan to help you get following, or is it to like, get to these certain results that you're only you're married to that alone. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> I found Jesus is really good at messing up our expectations for results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when when God began to transform my life and it happened very dramatically and in a rather quick season, um, coming out of that, the prayer for my wife and I was, Lord, we just want to be on the front row of watching you work in other people's lives. And you guys both hit on something that's so so incredibly important. Um, that the biblical example and the example that you hear up here is not of anything special or unique. That's just the work of God. That's how He does what He's doing, and He's inviting every one of you that call Him Lord, as well as us, into that. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing special that you see up here outside of Jesus at work. And you know, I'm fully convinced, and I know this is a common conviction, that God is always up to something big around us. 
question is, have we slowed down enough to listen and press into what this, where the Spirit's at and then follow Him in that? Mm-hmm. And, and that's been the biggest learning curve and biggest lesson I've learned in the last two years of, of planting and pursuing people because where I've had plans that I've pursued and executed, I've found myself doing good things that have positive impact, but I find myself busying myself with things other than where God might be at work doing something unique and beyond me. And I don't know about you or even you guys here. I want to be part of God doing something unique that's beyond me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the reason that something happened. I just want to be part of it. Be, you know what I mean? Be in that front row celebrating God in other people's lives. Yeah. And that's the great joy is that God is actively inviting all of us into that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, if it is about us and our power and our plan and our strategy and all those things, it's, we can, in a sense, come back to God and go, look what I accomplished for you, you know. Look at all the great things that I've done or the relationships that I've forged, you know. And, and that just leads you to pride. That doesn't actually lead you to worship. It just it makes it a transactional relationship with God where you're trying to build up your own resume to impress him. And God doesn't work that way, right? I mean, he, he's a God of grace who goes, I take people that have nothing to offer me and I give them everything. I give them my son. I give them my spirit. I, I give them purpose and mission in the world. I give them opportunities. I lay it all out in front of you so that you can walk in it. That's Ephesians 2.10, right? It's by grace you've been saved. It's not your works. It's mine um, so that nobody can boast. But I've, you're my creation. You're my, my, my artwork, you know? And I've set up all these opportunities for you that you might walk in them. Um, so that it would lead you to worship. So you'd go, man, I can't believe I get to do this with you, God. I'm just, I'm following in your footsteps. I get to be with my dad as he does his work, you know. Such a good thing. Really encouraging. So, I mean, what, what's something that you're dealing with right now that um, is, a, uh, is something that is a challenge right now, a struggle that, you know, we're brothers and sisters here and we're, we're doing the same work together. <laughs> um, so how how can we yeah. lift a burden through prayer well, with I think, you? Um, what was just said is really important to to understand. Like I think the the challenges that we're having right now. So, you know, we have we've been back in the city for two years. The first year, the plan was to acclimate our reacclimate our kids to the city, figure out schools and all that stuff. And what what happened, we were able to do that, but also we just started having some folks that were following Jesus kind of jump in with us. And you move forward, you know, a year and a half from that and realize that none of them are with us anymore. And the reason mainly, I think, is that I was just managing people and not following what God had called us to and, and was allowing that to kind of cause that separation. So my wife and I are engaged with people in the neighborhood, discipling people to Jesus, and then we have like this group of people that wants us to put on a service or something. And I'm like, in our home? I don't know how to do that. That's just weird. And trying to pull them on mission. So we really didn't gather for all the right reasons, and we didn't develop that core team very well. So recently the challenge has been like, well, everyone said, like, you're not able to give me what I need. And I'm thinking to myself, that's probably true. <laughs> I know me well enough, but I can't. The guy that can is Jesus. But what, what's happened is most everyone has either moved away or decided that they want to be a part of a bigger community where they can have more friends or, or whatever their reasons are. They're all legitimate reasons. We love them. And, and the crazy thing is that we feel this great sense of freedom 
because we don't have to manage that anymore. We can actually just run in the mission and then see who joins us in that mission. So all that to say, uh, we have some things that are that are coming up that are, are challenges for us in the sense of trying to gather all these folks that we've been discipling to have like a, a gathering. Mm-hmm. We can't fit them in our house. Our house is like a thousand square feet. There's six of us who barely have enough room for us. So we decided to get a dog this weekend, by the way. <laughs> Great idea. So we, we have a space that we can use, and we're going to have a dinner, like a dinner church gathering. Um, so how you can help us with that burden is in multiple ways. One, you can just pray for us. Um, and pray that God would send co-laborers to lock arms with us and run with us, not ask things of us that we weren't called to do. Mm-hmm. I don't... I think that my prayers have been weak and not specific enough, mm-hmm. and, and God's okay with that. You know, I was talking to Jay this week, and he's like, "Well, I know this about you. What if you had? You, what if you prayed for someone that could actually like care for people? Not that you said I don't care for people. But, like, <laughs> I don't really care for people better than you. I'm like, well, that's a low bar, I think. You know? uh, but yeah, why don't I pray for that? I'm not. We're not praying for like warm bodies. I though. think I said shepherds. Yeah, I, think you did. You I was. Shepherds. Yeah. But asking specifically, so you could you could join us in praying specifically for people that desire to not only like love Jesus and make Him known, but love us and be partners with us. That would that would be amazing. If you want to jump into some of the things that we're doing, you can contact me. We'd love to have you serve with us. Mm-hmm. And always with every church that's in the city, we need financial support. So God's moving to, to help in that way. Mm-hmm. We would be glad to partner with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think for us, uh, similar but, but different, we, we inherited the building because, I mean, the real truth of it is it's a beautiful facility that we inherited, but uh, it was built on a church and a model of people that would gather, but they, they didn't do the great uh, commission of making disciples. And so eventually uh, a pastor had passed away, and upon had passed away, and the membership just dwindled. And there's a great building, a great piece of land, but nobody was ever occupied. So we inherited this building. It's been great. But as we came and we followed the Lord's lead to be on mission, God had called us to a particular neighborhood or networks. And so through following God in these different uh, networks uh, and the things that go on the shore, uh, what God has, has done in us and through us and around us has been amazing in the sense of just seeing uh, God reconcile people, begin to restore uh, relationships, and do what only the gospel can do. But what's been a a great thing for us at the rhythm of celebration. Um, we've got a couple of the guys that's actually for me uh, while I'm here today. Incredible uh, guy, him and his family, but God's calling him to go to the battle. And because of the nature of where we're at, people have been moving out. And so when, when they leave, uh, in our four years, that'll be 42 people that have come in that God has allowed us to either see come to faith in Christ or um, just build on that relationship with Christ but now yeah. it's called out and sent out yeah. and uh, which has been a beautiful thing but um, it, it's really um, when you think about coming to plant a church 
uh, and to have the sustainability of a building and to keep the lights on and the power and all those things is just very difficult. And so for us, we're just wrestling through some decisions of what do we need to do next as we feel like the Lord's you know, calling us to transition somehow in some way. And so we're just asking God's wisdom. We're not trying to put a plan out. We're trying to say, Lord, we're listening. And we're here. We want to be a good steward of every aspect that you give us. And so uh, we're being faithful to what God has called us to do, to the people that God has called us to uh, uh, be in relationship and partnership with on mission. And, and it's, it's amazing uh, to see God make those transitions. So for us, we just need God's wisdom. Uh, we need God's direction in, in what those next steps are. Uh, and then we... Uh, we want to be, we, you know, my prayer constantly, Lord, we don't want to run ahead of you. We don't want to run behind you. We just want to walk in step with your spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, just, just show us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're asking. Um, in the midst of that, just from my own personal family, uh, you know, uh, we've, my, my, I was raised by a single mom, one of five boys. My mom passed away 15 years ago. My grandfather was very instrumental in life. He passed away 16 years ago. So all I have left is my grandmother. She just turned 102 this past Saturday. <laughs> but she's living with us. And I say, oh, I, man. I love my grandmother. She's amazing. <laughs> um, but taking care of someone that's elderly is uh, a huge thing when I have a child that has. Uh, He's on the spectrum and trying to meet his needs, trying to, to minister to my grandmother who uh, truly, truly uh, took care of me and my brothers uh, and, and honored her, you know, mm-hmm. really truly honored her and taking care of her, um, but also trying to be faithful to the mission that God's called us to, balancing that, my wife. Uh, there's just a lot on our plate to, to really... And, you know, the enemy can come in in a lot of different ways to try to tap into those things. Um, but really just asking God for His wisdom and the patience to say, Lord, this is, you know, it's not what we thought, it's not what we expected. And you, we tend to put expectations on ourselves mm-hmm. and just, you know, man's expectations have nothing to do with what God wants us to do. And so, yeah. being truly faithful in that. So, we just need to listen. Yeah. And that's a daily thing. <laughs> you think, I've got it. And then the next morning, you're, I don't got it. <laughs> I never had it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, I would actually echo, um, in a lot of ways, what these guys have said. I mean, when it really comes down to how um, cultivate how you partner um, with us, it, it really comes down to the three basics to pray, to serve, or, or to give. And to ask, seek God whether He's calling you to do any of those. And I'll kind of lay it out like this: um, When it comes to prayer, there are two big things for us. Um, we we do, we have started uh, worship gatherings in our home and live in missional communities and the everyday stuff of life together. Our worship gatherings at home are just we have no space. Um, there are people standing in the kitchen. Um, it, it's it's a good problem to have naturally, right? Like is that's often what we want. We want to fill up a space because that's excitable. I don't think that's the success of ministry. Changed lives are and disciples making disciples is. Um, but it's the reality of where we're at. And so we're looking for a location 
uh, right now, but we're being a bit pig-headed about where we will and will not go um, because we're unwilling to do two things. We're unwilling um, to allow our ministry to be dragged to a place where Sunday gatherings become central to us as a family on mission. We want them to be the fruit of God working in our lives and the everyday stuff, not the center focus of our ministry, which means that we need to find a place that doesn't require um, a debilitating amount of blood, sweat, tears, volunteer time, finances, stuff like that. So we want to keep the financial uh, burden low as well as the setup, tear down, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, low, so we're praying for a location. If you pray with us for that, that would that would be awesome. We have a couple couple conversations going on right now, and then the other thing is really for protection, protection for me and for the rest of our our leadership team. I have ran into um, an awkward problem recently where there are some folks who are part of our gathering who just have said, "We really like to hear you speak. We want to hear you speak more." And interestingly enough, over the last couple months, I've only spoken a couple times at our at our worship gatherings. I have another associate pastor who's part of our leadership team. He speaks. We've had some church planting friends in and, and just done some, some discussion time. And I really want to um, honor them and lead them towards where God is, is calling them and disciple them well and yet protect myself from being drawn into, oh, yeah, that feels good. Let me pat me on the back, too. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and follow through with what it is that you're asking for. Yeah. Um, so if that makes sense, um, just the ways in which a growing group can pull um, or persuade the culture to adjust, I just really adamant, Lord, please, please protect our mission, the vision, the values that you put in front of us, and, and the, the culture that you've created amongst us. So if you would pray that God would protect what he's doing amongst us in that way, I, w- I would greatly appreciate that. Yeah. When it comes to serving, if one of these locations open up, you know, I'll keep in touch with Jay. There may be an opportunity where we as church families can come together and, and do a couple of projects for, you know, painting and cleaning and, you know, that kind of stuff to help us get into that. That would be an awesome opportunity I would lay before you, and I'll keep him posted on that. And, of course, the last thing is giving. Um, church plants need finances to in order to move forward, as every church does. But I would say if God stirs your heart to give, whether it be our church plant or any of these guys here, I would ask this first. First, follow through faithfully on what Jay asked prior, as this being your church family and home is your first responsibility that God has called you to. And once he speaks clearly on that and you respond obediently, if God is then still stirring you in another way, then faithfully consider that. But those are the three main things when it comes to church planting that you can do uh, with us, and we greatly appreciate you. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that. And I did not prompt you to say that. Okay. Um, well i just i appreciate you guys being here uh with us this morning can we give them a just appreciation and thanks um you know we we've we've got a couple minutes and so i actually what i'd like to do is rather than just ask more questions um i would like to pray for you guys and I'm sure a number of our family would love to come around you and pray as well. So here's what we're going to do. If it's okay with you guys, it's okay with all of you. Um, we'll have, I'm going to have you come down, and we'll kind of surround you and just pray for a little bit over you and for you. And, yeah, we'll, people can pass the mic around so that they can be heard. But um, So, yeah, if you, if you would like to... 
come up and lay hands on these guys. If you can't get out of your seats, we understand that too. You just you could always hold out a hand just in recognition that uh, that you're joining us. <laughs> Father, I'm so thankful for these brothers and sisters and the families and the communities that they represent. Thank you for those that you're drawing to yourself as a result of working in their hearts and their life. Thank you, God, that you get the credit for all the the good, um, glorious, wonderful things that have been happening over the last few years, and uh, you take the burden for all the hardship. And um, just uh, God, as we were praying, I was reminded of the word, it's already available, that the things that, that they need from you uh, today and tomorrow morning and this week and over the next few months, they're already available to you because you've already given your life for them. They're already made whole in you. They, they stand perfectly before your throne because of the work of Jesus. And not only that, but they are empowered by the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And we know who wins. And we know that you will get all the glory for every work, God, that is done uh, on this world. And that one day this world, in every city, in every suburb, um, will be submitted to Jesus in everything and look perfectly according to your will. And so um, the, the encouragement to carry that out, God, to, to continue to, to live in the tension between now and what's to come, the, the, the faith to, to draw near to you, the, the ability to be obedient and listen to your spirit through all of the twists and turns that are going to come, it is all available to them right now. So God, we just we recognize that, and we um, ask that you would make them aware, make all of us aware, God, of how present and active and loving and faithful you are, just in this moment, and that you will sustain us and carry us, God. So we we look again to you. We ask that you come and fill us with that knowledge again, and we pray for Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.